Hello and welcome to Double Stint, Sports Car 365 Sports Car Racing Podcast. I'm Jonathan Grace and I'm joined today by Sports Car 365 reporter Davey Ovama. Davey, how was your weekend? Hi, Jonathan. Yeah, very, very good. Did a bit of uh, sim racing on the weekend, which is probably the most intense thing I've done uh, over, over the weekend. But uh, other than that, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, looking forward to sort of unwrapping this week and also looking forward to what's going to come up later in, in the week as well. Well, glad to hear it and right on. We've got a great show for you today. We'll recap this weekend's racing action, bring you the news of the week and answer some listener questions before giving you a preview of what's to come in the world of sports car racing. All that and more on this week's episode of Double Stint. Let's quickly run you through just what happened this week on track. We start with ADAC GT Masters at Hockenheim for a pair of rounds that saw the crowning of a champion. The 2022 ADAC GT Masters champion is Rafael Marciello. He took his number 48 man filter team Landgraf Mercedes to a fifth place finish, which is good enough to clinch the driver's title. And in the second round, ML Frey Racing clinched the team championship, but it was the number four Drago Racing team ZVO Mercedes of Jules Gunon and Fabian Schiller who took victory in the second round the round prior in race one it was the number 91 team juice sportswagen technic porsche of christian engelhardt and ian chan guven yeah Raffaele marciello's amazing 2020 continues to get better doesn't it uh, of course uh spa 24 hours winner earlier in uh in the year and now a more more trophy side to his uh rapidly increasing trophy cabinet it certainly is 2022 has been a successful year for marciello in Fanatec GT World Challenge Australia, powered by AWS, they were at the bend for what was supposed to be a pair of rounds and turned out to just be race one, as the second race was called off due to inclement weather. But in the end, it was the Triple Eight Race Engineering Mercedes of Brock Feeney and Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim who won despite incurring a 15-second penalty earlier in the race. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's always a shame when you have two races planned and it uh, only happens to be the one, but uh, yeah, I think the uh, AAA guys uh, put uh, quite put on quite a showing uh, with uh, coming back from a 15 second penalty after a lap one incident. So uh, yeah, that place them. Good drive. In NLS, it was the eighth round at the Nurburgring, and it was a great weekend if you were part of the Sheriff Sport Team Phoenix team. It was their second consecutive 1-2 finish at the ring. Calvin Vendelinder and Jakob Gerimaziak took the number 16 Sheriff Sport Team Phoenix Audi to victory in the four-hour race. Frank Stippler and Vincent Kolb in the sister car finished in second. And another headline from the race, Davey, Falcon was the first customer team to run the new Porsche 911 GT3R. This is the 992 generation car that they're running. We saw Manti testing it earlier as well, but Falcon, the first team to run it in NLS. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, probably not the outing they would have hoped for because this this new car only completed a single lap. According to Klaus Bachler, who was one of the two drivers in that car, it was an accumulation of... Well, you know, we're getting into October, so it was an accumulation of autumnal leaves in the radiator that caused the water temperature to spike. So, yeah, not the, the greatest outing, but, you know, it's all part of, you know, the, the process of, of getting a new car, uh, you know, ready for, for the big time. So my valuable lessons learned, I'm sure, for Porsche. Absolutely. And this early on, as you said, Davey, you got to think a lot of this is is, is competitive, but also a, a good amount of data gathering and prepping for some of the bigger races coming in the future. We know we'll see a whole host of these cars at Daytona, in IMSA, as well as in Europe. So more to come for the 992 generation Porsche. As always, you can take a look at all the racing action in depth in our weekly racing roundup on sportscar365.com. 
Well, Davey, there's a ton of great headlines to cover today, and let's dive right in. There is a new kid on the block in the hypercar party. Isala Frascini has presented their hybrid-powered hypercar for 2023. This will be built by Michelotto, and they have plans to enter Le Mans for next year for the 100th running of the event. Of course, this is all contingent upon the approval of the event selection committee. But as it stands, they're planning to officially debut the car in February before entering the World Endurance Championship round at Spa, and then hopefully, if all goes according to plan, enter the big dance at Le Mans. And this is going to be a really interesting one. The car looks fantastic. We've seen an initial render. It's up on the website if you want to take a look at it. It's exciting to see a new team join the party. Yeah, this was uh, interesting. Um, there have been some murmurs flying about him there that there uh, was a new hypercar sort of in the make. And, and well, we've now had the first image of it, uh, a render released by the manufacturer itself. Um, to it's sort of maybe newer fans of, of racing in general, this name might not be all that familiar, but those who know their history certainly will have heard of Ashota Frascini. Um, it's uh, very old. It was founded in, in Milan in 1900 um, and it was sort of an early uh, a big player in, in like the early automotive age. Uh, won the Coppa Floria back in 1907. So that's very uh, well over 100 years ago. Um yeah, and it's interesting to sort of see them now thrust back into the limelight. Um, so it's a, a three-liter turbocharged V6 engine, uh, electric motor on the front axle, um, and the engine itself will uh, probably put out around uh, 700 uh, horsepower. No word here on what exactly the power figure is from the front axle, but it's a, a 900-volt lithium-ion battery. Um, interestingly enough, it's, like you said, Marcellotto, who we probably most famously know from um, the build partner for what is the outgoing Ferrari GT car, so the 488 um, was built by them. And it was also developed using Williams Advanced Engineering Aerodynamic Facilities. So um, this is probably an upstart group, but if you're working with those organizations, you'll probably get a pretty good start at things. Absolutely. It looks like Isada Frascini has hit the ground running here, and it's always just excited to see a newcomer to the party. And even if they do run at Spa and at Le Mans, it's just the first year. You would expect if you're investing this heavily into a program, it's going to be a multi-year thing. So we're just excited to see them back on the grid. I'm sure they're very excited to be back, hopefully at Le Mans as well. Yeah, back after a very, very long time, because they've not really been in any kind of sports car racing for, for well, decades and decades and decades, like I said regularly competed in sort of early 20th century racing uh but not much so you can say back on the grid but if you want to go back on the grid you have to go back a very 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 long time so yeah interesting one you know we have toyota ferrari peugeot cadillac porsche and now these guys um yeah should be interesting to see where this goes from here Uh, it certainly will A, a new era for the italian manufacturer and we're certainly excited to follow it In other news, Corvette Racing will continue in the IMSA WeatherTech Championship with a single Corvette C8.R in the GTD Pro class. They finished third in class this season. This will be its 25th season in top-level sports car racing. Uh, Jordan Taylor and Antonio Garcia taking the full-season duties with Tommy Milner joining for the Rolex 24, Sebring, and Petit. Yeah, um, business as usual, I guess, for Corvette Racing. Let's be honest, it wouldn't be... uh the Intel with Exports Car Championship with at least a, a, a single Corvette on the grid, would it? Um, yeah, Taylor and Garcia have been, a, 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 I think, a trusted and child and trusted pairing for a couple of years now, so not particularly surprised to see them coming along. Um, 
And then Tommy Milner, who, um, yeah, as we knew, was racing in the World Endurance Championship, is still racing in the World Endurance Championship this year, is coming over. So he's not going to be in that program uh, uh, next year for reasons that we'll get into a little bit later on. Should also be noted that um, the Corvette is going to be in a little bit of an interesting situation because they're kind of now split into three uh, fronts. You've This program, which, as we know, is, is the final year for this sort of a Frankenstein monster of a half GTE, half GTD car um, that they've been using in in this uh, season that wrapped up a couple of weeks ago at Petit Le Mans. Then there's across the Atlantic, it's it's a World Endurance Championship uh, program which is continuing for another year. But we should also know that in 2024, we're of course going to have the Corvette Z06GT3.R, um, which is sort of the car that that the uh, well we're replacing the car that they're using names right now so it's sort of three buckets that they're trying to sort of balance at the same time so yeah that's that's going to be interesting how they how they uh, how they do that oh it certainly will and well you mentioned that taylor and garcia are somewhat of a known quantity over in europe it's a little bit of a different story because nick tandy will be departing from corvette in their world endurance championship car at the end of this season and another driver news ben keating will be coming in as the bronze in the gte car so driver news on both fronts but tandy with a long and successful stint with corvette and ben keating with a huge opportunity to drive the corvette in the future Yes, all change. Um, I think it's fair to say that this is probably the first ever gentleman driver to have been um, with Corvette racing on a factory level. I think that's an accurate statement. They've never done uh, Pro-Am, but obviously they have to with the GTD, or excuse me, GTE Pro uh, going away at the end of um, well, just a couple of weeks, actually. Um, yeah, so Keating, uh, probably the best possible choice for Corvette based on results and also based on you know, nationality is probably as American as apple pie. Um, and yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, ben is is a great driver. I think he really deserves this opportunity. It's going to be teamed with um, Nicky Katzberg. And this is what I was referring to earlier, is that obviously Katzberg was the endurance driver over in himself along with Taylor and Garcia. Well, he's not anymore. He's going to be in WEC with an asked-to-be-confirmed silver driver. So I'm pretty sure <laughs> that every single silver driver with a bit of uh, endurance racing cloud is on the phone to Laura Monte or Clouser pretty much right now, I would imagine. Um, and then there's, um, yeah, Nick Tandy departing Corvette. I think he, he's done all right um, with them. Uh, uh, class wins at WeatherTech Laguna, uh, Raceway Laguna Seca, Long Beach and VIR, uh, finished second in the championship uh, behind Taylor and Garcia last year. Then obviously moved to WEC, um, uh, along with Miller this year, their highlight being um, a very spectacular victory in 6,000 Monza. And now, um, where is he going? Well, it's not been officially confirmed, but the rumour is, and this rumour has been running for a while, uh, back to Porsche is is what is um, most likely within um, the LMDH programme. Now, we know that Tandy has always had a relationship with Porsche still ongoing, even as he's been with Corvette, um, racing in a couple of GT3 races, uh, and some major uh, classics in, in GT3 cars. Uh, it should be noted that he manages a Porsche Cura Cup, a Great Britain uh, team as well. So, yeah, there is still that lingering relationship there. So if he were to go to Porsche, wouldn't be much of a surprise. Oh, certainly. And you got to think with someone of Tandy's abilities, he will be in some kind of big seat next year. But again, nothing's been confirmed, although it is interesting to, to hear the rumors and he does have those Porsche ties. So we'll have to keep you posted on how this story develops. 
IMSA has reversed its LMP3 driver rating requirements for the 2023 season, and this comes after they released next year's sporting regulations. The initial change was for the maximum age of a silver driver. It had been lowered from 30 to 25, and that was in the initial regulations. The decision has since been reversed, so you can now race if you're under the age of 30. And this really only applies to LMP3, which requires a bronze and a silver under the age of 30. Yeah, a little bit of a, a U-turn there. Um, like you said, it, it has been reversed. Um, and, and, and this sort of applies to drivers like uh, Magar Robertson, for example, is probably the most um, concrete example we have of this, who obviously has been uh, with Rowley Motorsports. Um, he's going to be 27-year-olds, so he is still going to be eligible for those qualifying sessions. But, um, for example, Jarrett and Jetty, who is one of his rivals in, in LMP3 this year, he turns 30 in December, so he won't be allowed to qualify again. Um, so there's that little bit of a change uh, in, in that front. Absolutely. And as we said, this this mainly only affects the LMP3 class with the age requirements, but it is interesting to see kind of the, the tweaks and, and really a, a 180, as you said, Davey, even after the sporting regs have already been released. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to assume, and, and um, I, I think John McKees would, would know more about this than, than, than me, but um, I think it's fair to assume that whenever uh, a regulation is, is put out like this and then it's reversed, I think it's fairly safe to assume that there have been probably some discussion somewhere or some some concerns aired by uh, teams and maybe even drivers. And then IMSA, uh, as is their right, reconsider stuff like this. And obviously they're ultimately the ones that, you know, call, call the shots in, in a situation like this. So if they feel that this is um, the right thing to do, then um, I suppose it is. Kevin and John Magnuson will enter the Gulf 12 Hour with MDK Ferrari. This will be the final round of the Intercontinental GT Challenge Championship. Kevin Magnuson and his father, Jan, will be teaming up with team owner Mark Kwame. Uh, he was coming off a AM-class championship in the Porsche Carrera Cup North America. So it'll be an interesting lineup. They'll be driving the Ferrari 488 GT3 Evo 2020. And while they're not on the entry list as of now, there are plenty of AF courses. And uh, it has pretty much been confirmed that they will be in the race. This is Kevin's GT3 racing debut. We've seen him, obviously, in prototypes over in IMSA, but either way, this is really exciting, Davey. Oh, this is this is really cool. Uh, um, it's pretty rare for an active Formula 1 driver uh, to sort of take a step into a race like this. I can't uh, really think of an example of it happening recently, uh, maybe apart from Fernando Alonso in the World Endurance Championship. But yeah, this is just cool. Uh, obviously, uh, Kevin and Jan have teamed together before at Le Mans last year, but that was in a high-class racing uh, Orica. It's the first time that Kevin has raced in sports cars since uh, the Relics 24 in January. Of course, as we know, he was sort of lined up to continue racing with Chip Ganassi um, in, in IMSA until that uh, seat in Formula 1 opened up again, so he departed. Um, so yeah, it's cool to see. It's also the first uh, competitive uh, appearance for Kevin in a GT car, so it's going to be very interesting to see how he um, how he gets on 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 that front. But yeah, very cool to see these two uh, team up together again. Absolutely, as you said, it's his GT3 racing debut. Feel like it's safe to say Kevin is a fairly talented driver. He should be able to get to grips pretty quickly. Very very excited to see what the father son duo can do here with MTK. 
Barwell Motorsports is targeting the 24 hours of Le Mans with the new Lamborghini Huracan Evo 2. The car will be eligible in 2024 when GT3 replaces the current GTE homologation, and Barwell intends to convert two of its three current Huracans into the new Evolution and then sell the third one to a collector. This is an interesting one, too, because Barwell Motorsports is a very successful British GT racing team, and they plan to continue racing in British GT with a pair of cars, but stepping up to the 24 Hours of Le Mans, no small feat. No, but this is a, a, a team with plenty of 24-hour race experience under their belts uh, from uh, racing in the GT World Challenge Europe. I think they've done the Spa 24 Hours a, a couple of times. But, yeah, I think this is um, perhaps sort of the first domino uh, or the first sign of a very likely just new wave of teams that will be coming to Le Mans from 2024 onwards that have not been there previously and all thanks to this change the GT3 rules because yeah there are so many top teams in in international sports car racing that um, for one reason or another just do not do um, ACL rules racing and and and, and Bar were one of them. So yeah, I think this is sort of the sign that perhaps that this change to GT3 is the right one. Um, and um, yeah, it was uh, uh, well, uh, uh team principal Mark Lem who said, yeah, it's perfect for us. Now is the time uh, to do this. So um, and he said, quote, there will be plenty of other top teams thinking where the way we're thinking. So. Like I said, this is probably sort of the first domino that's about to fall. And it's exciting. It's going to be interesting to see just which teams ultimately do decide to um, make this leap because we can probably all think of a few that are very, very well qualified to uh, come come over and uh, play at Lamar in, in years to come. Oh, certainly, Davey. And you know what's interesting? When we talk about the upcoming golden era, we often refer to it mainly with prototype racing. But I think this also really applies to GTs as well. You're seeing everybody kind of switch to a a uniform GT3 homologation. Obviously, we see the World Endurance Championship going that way, making it more accessible for manufacturers and teams to to run big programs at Le Mans and in the WeatherTech Championship and, and encourage bronze drivers as well. Barwell Motorsports, as you said, I think the first of many. The manufacturer involvement, the customer team involvement, Involvement has just been increasing in the time we've already seen. And as you said, it's going to just continue to go that way. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like I said, we are on the brink of a golden era in prototypes, but um, with the popularity that GT3 uh, has had and continues to have uh, with teams all over the world, um, yeah, we could see something very similar coming our way in, in, in GT category racing in the years to come. United Autosports is unlikely to enter the IMSA WeatherTech Championship next year. Team co-owner Richard Dean has told SportsCar365 they don't want to overextend themselves, and they'll already be pretty busy here. Two cars in the World Endurance Championship in ELMS and ALMS. Uh, this is going to be a busy program for a team that can certainly handle it. We know there's no shortage of talent at United Autosports, but uh, this will be interesting. We know that they had previously raced in IMSA. We've seen them at the Rolex 24 in Sebring this year, and they don't have a permanent facility here in the U.S. They've been renting one to facilitate their IMSA driving appearances as well as other events. Think, you know, Velocity Invitational that was just up at Laguna Seca, things like that. And on top of that, they're still open to the possibility of LMDH and LMH. They said they haven't really had those talks with Andretti. That's kind of another thing we'll get to maybe next. But let's first talk about their IMSA announcement here. Yeah, um, a shame, but I think it's probably a wise decision. I think 
one of the things you don't want to do is is overextend um, yourself. And this is a team that, like you just mentioned, is just busy in a lot of championships. Um, not just that, it's, you know, it's WEC, ELMS, Angel of Mars, I believe they're also still in the um, Michelin Le Mans Cup running races there. Um, obviously, it was there for um, Daytona and, and Sebring um, this year. Um yeah, it's like Richard Dean said, he they love him, sir, but um yeah, they just can't really fit it in, I suppose. Um overextend ourselves is is what he said, which fine we're very conscious not to overextend ourselves is um what uh, uh, Richard Dean told us. Um so yeah. It's a shame, but it's an understandable shame, I guess. That's true. And who's to say that in, in future years, 24 and beyond, this this could maybe change. Maybe they, at some point they acquire a facility or build one in the U.S. or just decide that they want to take part more in IMSA uh, as team personnel grows or, or things like that, or their their situation and priorities change. But as for now, we won't be seeing them in the WeatherTech Championship as we did this previous season, but plenty of other places you can follow United Autosports. The other piece to this puzzle, Davey, is Hypercar. We know they have ties to Andretti and Extreme E, so this should be really, really interesting. Of course, how you United Autosports fits into this equation. Do they partner with someone else in the future? Who would they partner with in the future? If not Andretti Alpine, we shall have to see. But either way, as you said, Joda and WRT, some of their main competitors are making the step up. you got to think that United Autosports wouldn't be too far behind, if not this year, maybe in the future. Yeah, but especially because they're sort of, um, I don't want to say left behind, but that's sort of what it feels like. It should be said that if they do this, it's not going to be a hypercar. Um, um, well, at least if they race ultimately in WEC, which they will race in the hypercar class, that ever <laughs> little confusing your head spinning thing. But um, the car that obviously uh, Alpine is building is an LMDH, not a LMH. But anyway, um, like I said, they are sort of the only ones in, in sort of the major uh, um, ones teams in uh, specifically the World Endurance Championship Olympic 2 class that have not currently been we have uh, a WRT, which is about to become a BMW factory team. Um, and then there's Jota, which is going to be running Porsches next year. And then there's United, who I think previously have very much said, we want to do this. I think they feel they're more than capable of doing this. And, and, and I would very much agree with that notion. But yeah, they, they haven't yet. So um, they haven't been party to the Andretti Alpine talks um they have been going on but they haven't had the discussion so will it happen it may happen but at this point i think it's too early to say as always you can read all about the headlines we've covered on today's show and more over on sportscar365.com well davy let's dive into answering a listener question we had a question in the comment section of our previous episode come from connor who asks, as it currently stands, how many 992 GT3Rs are expected at Daytona? Any word on European teams such as GPX and KCMG who have expressed their desire to be on the grid in 2023? And, well, similar to Ferrari, we know that Porsche is, is targeting around five or six cars, so there's going to be a, a whole host of them at the Rolex 24. Uh, we're just waiting on, of course, the official entry list to see exactly who's who, but we will see about half a dozen of them. Yeah, that's, that's this is a really useful question because we we have an answer ready and waiting because uh, Porsche's already told us. Um, this was uh, a story that John de Guise did uh, back in the summer where he spoke to Volker, uh, Volker Holtzmeier, Porsche's uh, Motorsport North America president and CEO, who um, yeah basically said about half a dozen, five, six. That's what they're aiming for. Um, I think FAF is more or less one that we know will be there. 
um, and then to go into um, uh, KCMG and GPX. Well, GPX first, I went back at this because this is something that sort of hit a little nerve with me and I looked back to um, the communicate the, the press release that I did after the SPA 24, which is also back in the summer. So I'm going to go to the final paragraph of that uh, uh, release that they did. Um, and then there's a couple of things that I try and want to do. And then the final sentence is, and the discovery of motor racing American style at the 24 hours of Daytona. Now, it should be stated this is dated September, um, and there's no been no further word since. But there is an intent because you're not going to put that out into an official press release if you're not going to at least seriously seriously look at that. So could happen. KCMG um, wouldn't surprise me. I mean, they did great last year. Um, they're on a bit of a globe trotting tour at the moment, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if both those teams would be on the grid. But there's no official word on it yet ultimately is of course can they get a car because we're still very much in the time of um you know supply chain problems and stuff like that so can they get a car i suppose is the big question um, and there's probably also more than a fair few uh imsa regulars that go well wait a minute we want to do this give us a car we want to race as well so yeah um five or six is, is what porsche told us who that will be time will tell Certainly, and it would be very exciting to see both GPX and KCMG, and thanks for the, the deep dive on that for, for GPX. It's really interesting to hear that they put that little tidbit in that press release. But yeah, as you said, it's one thing to express intent and have the, the capabilities to run the car. It's a whole other thing to actually get the car and be able to test it and run it and prepare it in time. Yeah, exactly, because um, one of the other things that they said they wanted to do, and this is also an interesting one, and this is pure speculation, but one of the other ones that they mentioned in that little sentence is a return to the Dubai 24 hours. Now, um, the Dubai 24 hours uh, entry list was actually released, I think it was late last week, and there's a whole host of teams on here, but one of the teams that's notably not on here is GPX Racing. Now, we know that the, um, the Dubai 24 hours is like, two weeks before the Rolex 24 off the top of my head. Um, so the fact that they're not at Dubai, now I don't know how many cars they would have, probably, I guess, one with the constraints that Porsche has. And obviously getting a car from Dubai to America in a short space of time is a challenge. So the fact that they're not on this entry list could, could indicate that there's something brewing. But again, pure speculation on my end. I don't know for sure. As always, we appreciate you writing in your questions. We love answering them on the show. If you have a question you'd like us to answer on Double Stint, be sure to post it in the comment section below this episode, or you can take to Twitter and post your question using the hashtag AskDoubleStint, and we'll put our heads together to answer your question in an upcoming episode. Before we let you go, let's give you a quick preview of what's coming up. We have the FIA World Motorsport Games at Paul Ricard. This is a big one. Uh, and a couple just quick headlines for you here. Ukraine has made an entry in the GT Cup, and there will be no endurance event after all for the GT3 and LMP3 cars, as was previously announced. But there will be plenty of action to follow all weekend long. This is a huge event. Tons of countries represented, plenty of different categories of racing. It'll be very exciting, Davey. Yeah, goodness me. I was looking at the, uh, <laughs> the, the sort of the, the timetable, the schedule of it earlier today, and it nearly gave me anxiety. There's so much going on at this event in, in all different kinds of, of you know, disciplines. I think um, we are mostly, like I said, interested in uh, what will be a GT3 uh, sprint races, I think plural. Um, yeah, that GT3 and a P3 um, endurance race not going forward, but there's like 
there's karting, there's esports, and that's just two of like probably about a dozen, I suppose is the, the right way to phrase it. Yeah, there's so much going on at this event. I guess it's basically the Olympics, but with a steering wheel. That's probably the best way we, <laughs> we can describe this. Well, it's, it's our type of Olympics, so we love it. We're certainly excited for it. And as always, you can follow all the action on sportscar365.com. Well, that's it for us this week on the podcast. If you have the time, we'd greatly appreciate a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice. It really helps out the show. Thank you so much for joining us wherever you're tuning in from. For Davey Ovama, I'm Jonathan Grace. We'll see you right back here next week for another edition of Double Stint.